0: And check that you can hear me for a start. Who wants to end a time of worship like that? There should be some sort of health warning before we start to worship, saying you're going to meet with God, and it's just awesome. Thank you so much, Simon, for leading us like that so wonderfully. Uh, For the first time in about 20 years, Dan has asked that I'd preach. um, No, he didn't ask 20 years, 20 years. And I'm going to be talking from... If you've got a Bible, do you mind turning to John 17. And I'll be looking at verses 20 to 26. Well, at least that was my intention when I set off. And um, I'll explain a little bit as we go on. But before, while you're turning to that, chapter, that verse, um, I just want to um, read something from a book. I've, I've sort of dipped into this book. And if you don't mind, Dan, I'm going to recommend this. The Glory of Christ by Peter Lewis. It's probably got a Swisher cover now because this is quite an old version. Um, and just in it, um, there is a little story about when he's with his wife in Wales, and they're on a holiday, and he goes into this little chapel, and there is a preacher preaching, and this is what the preacher says. He talks about him as a child, idolising this great local athlete who played rugby for the nation and cricket at county level, and he plastered his walls with posters. I'm sure some of you might have done that in your youth, or even now. Have your heroes plastered? on the walls and he tells this story and he goes on he says then when I was in my 14th year I actually got to know my hero personally he was a keen angler and I used to go fishing with him on these occasions I was able to observe him from an entirely different viewpoint and got to know the man and not merely the image at this point the preacher paused he looked closely at his congregation shook his head slowly from side to side And with an air of considerable authority, said, in an emphatic tone. And the nearer I got, the smaller he became. And in a few brief sentences, he sketched the young boy's disillusionment as he discovered the true character of the man whose public image had so captivated him. No doubt, everyone in the congregation that morning recognized the experience and sympathized with the preacher. Suddenly, in a rising voice... And with arms outstretched, voice breaking with emotion, he cried out, But God eventually led that downcast schoolboy to a new hero. And I have walked with my Jesus for 35 years now. And in that time, I've often disappointed him. But he has never disappointed me. I've got to know him better the nearer I get, the bigger he becomes. And that's really my prayer this morning as so we look at this passage, that Jesus would become bigger to us, that we would see his glory. I recommend that book. I, I, I really do. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's heartbreaking and encouraging. So where are we going? We're going to look. I'd originally tended to have three points, but um, having realized how much there is in this, in this passage, I'm, I may just stick to two words, the first two words of the passage, but what we're going to do, if we'll read it now, we'll go through it now. I've got it in big type because my eyes aren't very good anymore. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe, that the world may continually believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. In I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made your name known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the, the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. I said that I had three points and like apparently good preachers, that there's, there's going to be, and they will start with the same letter, that's called alliteration, so it's P. I'm going to look at the prayer, not the prayer, the prayer, the person who's praying. And then I was going to look at the purpose, and then I was going to look at the promise. We'll see how we go. I may refer to the second bit, the purpose, Well, maybe the third, but I'm going to stick at the moment to the prayer. You know when you get a letter through the post and you, and you see the front of it, 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 the sender sometimes makes it really, really important, isn't it? So you can imagine, if you've got one and it said, on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen, you'd think, oh, wow, I'm going to open this. Or if it said, from the Houses of Parliament, from the Prime Minister's office, Whoa, whoa! Or, you know, a Facebook message from Ben. You get a, a, a really important message, don't you? You get something and you think, wow, that's important. And I loved that, uh, that little story that Chris brought about a, a letter to each person at the wedding. We're looking at the sender of this message to us, this message to us coming out of John 17. We're going to look at the sender. It's because he's so important that this message to us, to you, to me, is so important. When Jesus prays this prayer, he's in the upper room um, with the disciples. He's celebrated Passover. He has wrapped a cloth around himself. He has washed their feet. And now he turns and starts to pray. John, at the beginning of the Gospel of John, I love John because it's full of those wonderful things about Jesus being the word the word of God. And, the, and unless you're born again, you can't And I am the living water. Drink from me. It's got so many promises to us. It's a wonderful, wonderful gospel. And as we've been hearing from Dan, there's this story as he goes through with the disciples. Well, where we are in, here in John, he's been through all of that journey with the disciples. He's now in the upper room with them. And he knows what's coming next. They don't. It's obvious that they don't really. They don't really get it. But he knows what's coming next. If you were hours away from your final breaths, what would be on your heart? What would be going through your mind? Here we get an awesome glimpse into his mind. What was going through his mind? And the startling thing is, we were. You and me, we were on his mind. As I read it for the first time, I I sort of prayed about what to, to, to preach about. I just came to this, I felt God's, drawing me towards it after, many years ago, reading the Saved in Eternity book by Martin uh, Lloyd-Jones. And I came, and in the context, you think, what a beautiful prayer. What an incredible, it's the longest prayer recorded of Jesus. And it's incredible. You think, he's, here he is. He's about to be on his knees in Gethsemane. He's about to be betrayed. He's about to be left behind. And here he is. This is what we see on his, his, on his heart, what his heart's desire was. And it seems odd. I'll try and concentrate on the first verse or two. Um, But it seems odd because he talks about, I want them to share my glory. So it seems a bit odd if we look at that and we don't look at his glory a little bit and and try and glimpse that glory and and understand what Jesus was trying to impart to us. And I'd hate for us to just be doing this academically, looking at it as a bit of literature and reading it. Or even, if you like... um, in a way, sort of, oh, well, I've heard the scripture many a times, and and, you know, and, and maybe uncaringly. We're we really treading on holy ground as we look at what the Savior was saying at this point in time. So I just invite us to, you know, you may have heard this many times, you may have read it many times, but let's look at it. Let's look at it in detail. And what I want to do is look at the prayer. That was my first point, wasn't it? The pray prayer. Not the prayer, the prayer, the one who's praying. He says, My prayer. My prayer. This this prayer comes from the one who is described in Scripture as the Christ and the Lord. The Messiah and the Lord in, 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 in New Testament terms. We use that word a lot, don't we? And it can either mean Yahweh, the Almighty God, or it can also mean my master. The one who I fall on my knees to and say, my master, what do you want? He's Lord. He's the master. He's the Messiah. Long ago in Israel's history, there was this promise that there will come a saving one. There will come one who will fulfill all the promises of God. I will send my, sa- my Messiah to you. He will be the fulfillment. He is the Messiah and the master. He's the Christ and the Lord. What else is he? He's also the Almighty who was and is and is to come. In Revelation 1 8, it refers to him. I'm not necessarily thinking you're going to dash to all of these verses or that they'll go up. But I'm just referring to scripture that this, who's the prayer? Who is it? My prayer. It's the prayer, of the Almighty. The one who was and is to come. Colossians and John and Hebrews tell us that he is the creator of all things. So who's, who's praying this up? My prayer father. As the creator of all things. He's not just a man. He's the creator. He's the upholder of all things. Hebrew tells us that he holds all things together. So the farthest speck in the farthest corner of the universe. To the smallest atom in your body. He Holds all things together. He's the upholder of all things. He holds everything together. Have you ever thought that? What, what, what power is it that holds the universe together? This ever expanding universe. That apparently is getting bigger and bigger. What holds it together? It's clear. It's him. He's described. In Isaiah. nine six As the everlasting father. Or the father of eternity. Father Dem. Denotes, you know, it means he's, he's the head of the household, head of the family. He's the father of eternity, of all time, of everything. My prayer. Whose prayer? Whose prayer? My prayer. It's the father of eternity. It's the Lord of glory. Colossians 1 calls him the beginning. Um, Revelations 1 calls him the beginning and the end The Alpha and the Omega Before anything was Isn't it lovely when the Pharisees "Well, Who are you? Before Moses I was, I am He's the beginning and the end Sometimes in our little busy lives We forget We are just on this planet Here Maybe 70, 80, 90 years As health services get better And as our lifestyles change but how short our lives are. And we forget the beginning and the end. We just see it from, for example, for me, it was 1962 until whatever year God calls me home. And I can get into this little, oh, that's, that's it then, isn't it? That's the beginning. it. No, it's not. Let's, let's helicopter out. Let's see whose prayer this is. It's the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. He is supreme he's before everything he's after everything the reason why we're here the reason the universe exists is Jesus he is absolutely supreme my prayer father who is it that's praying my prayer it's the first and last the supreme one the almighty and this this is wonderful He's the life. He's the eternal life. And my goodness, how we need to cling on to that. He is the life. He gives us fullness of life. He is the reason. So when he's praying, we look at the prayer, the authority of this prayer. My prayer. And so quickly we can just skip on. Oh, yes, it's Jesus. Yeah, I know. No, actually, we need to just remind ourselves so that we're not too casual with the first and the last, the almighty one, the Alpha and Omega. Although we can come, we are in intimate relationship with Him. It's so important to remind us because it just adds value to our relationship with Him. We're amazed at who He is. My prayer, Father. We come to these words in John after two thousand years of having a Bible amongst us, so we know what comes next. We know all the. But you imagine the heavenlies looking down. He's already had a meeting with Moses and Elijah on the on the Mount of Transfiguration where he's changed into Shinar. But I guess the angels and everybody, the prophets were scratching their heads saying, they longed to see what this would be. They longed to see what the fulfillment of time and space and history would be. They didn't know what was coming next. So when he says, my prayer, the angels in heaven, you can imagine them saying, shaking, what's he going to pray? What's on his heart? What's the eternal one going to be praying? What's he going to be saying next? They didn't know. They were quaking, thinking, what's he going to say? In Job, it talks about, in, in Job twenty-six, eleven. it talks about the pillars of the heavens quake, shudder, shake with fear, aghast at what God might say, at what is rebuke. The heavenlies were saying, what's he going to say next? Who's the prayer? My prayer, Father. What is he going to ask the Father? What is he going to ask the Father? What's next? What's this great revelation going to be? The Lord of glory who stepped down to be God amongst us. What's he going to pray? The angel's saying, what's he going to pray? The prophets of long ago saying, what's he going to pray? Oh my goodness, what is he going to pray? So let's not be over familiar with this prayer. Let's remember the prayer. Let him capture us again as we reflect on thinking this is an awesome, awesome God. I referred to how I like John's gospel. And initially, John refers to him, the word was with God and the word was God. And everything that was made was through him. I um, remember, um, in fact, I saw Tim uh, Tim Butcher about this this morning. I remember a story that Tim told me. It's either in group or something like that. And Tim's an architect. And he said in architecture... That if you're building a building and you've got these big arches and they sort of meet, I can imagine like a canopy, these big girders meeting in the centre and, and holding up. Apparently, there's this one significant bolt that holds this great mechanism together, and the architects call that the Jesus bolt. Strange, isn't it? That the one thing that holds all things together. That even there, it's mirrored. But it's that sense. The word. The sense is that he is. The one thing that holds all things together. The word, and we're looking at who the prayer, my prayer, whose prayer? He's God's triumphant figure. He is God the son, co-eternal. So he's the one who reigns alongside the father. He's God's triumphant figure on earth. There have been lots of triumphant figures on earth over the centuries. Great names who have come and gone. But none of them have been God's triumphant figure. But Jesus, he's God's appointed king. Israel longed for a new David, a new king. And God knew all along, now there will be a king in the line of David. And I will send him. I will appoint him. He will be from me. He will be the appointed king. So the word, my prayer father, it's it's the appointed king's prayer. And I said this earlier on when he was challenged by the Pharisees. Who are you? How dare you say that? You're just not even 50 years old yet. He says, no, before Moses was, I am. My prayer, Father, it's the I am's prayer. It's the prayer of the one who's co-eternal with God. It's the one, it's the everlasting's prayer. Whose prayer is it? At Christmas we celebrated God with us, Emmanuel. That's what that's what that word means for those people who don't know. Emmanuel means God with us, God living with us. So that was his name. He's God with us. God didn't stay afar. He sent his chosen one to be amongst us, to, to walk with us and to be with us. I referred earlier on to him being the son of God and in Romans 1-4 it talks about he's the son of God with power. And we see that as as Dan's going through um, the gospel's talking about how he's doing these wonderful things in God's power. He came with power. The great power that he displayed in his life. And that great affirmation of God saying, This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Whose prayer? My prayer father. It's from him. He's, he's the son of God. He's the living one. He's also the fulfillment of what scripture said. I said the nation of Israel over the, his, over the history of time wanted this, this person to come through. In, in biblical terms, he's also the last Adam. What does that mean? Well, the first Adam, you remember, he brought sin into the world. He fell. He's the one that when God was walking through the garden in the cool of the evening, he said, where are you? Where are you? Jesus is the last Adam. Adam. He's the one who allows our heavenly father to say, there you are. There you are. Because we needed a last Adam to come. And as it describes him in 1 Corinthians, the life-giving spirit. The second Adam gave life, where Adam the first brought death. Jesus, who's described as the last Adam, brings eternal life. So whose prayer is this? Whose prayer? My prayer, Father. Father. It's the last Adam. It's the final Adam. There will be no more Adams, by the way. We only needed one. He's the mediator. If you've ever had a fight with anyone, you look all such a peaceful lot that I imagine you've never, ever had a fight with anyone. You've never had a dispute. You've never fallen out. So you may struggle with this concept, but sometimes when people fall out, they have a mediator, somebody who listens to one side, listens to the other, and draws them together if you've ever had a fight and fallen out I can guarantee you the dispute that you had with whoever it was is nothing nothing compared to how we'd fallen out with God it's nothing it's unimaginably different you cannot fathom it so we needed a mediator so who's praying my prayer it's the mediator, the one who stands between you and me and the Holy One, the one who stands between us and God. It's worth focusing on what he's, who it is that's making this prayer, because it makes the prayer so much more powerful. Because if he, the mediator, is praying this, who can stand against him? It's the Redeemer's prayer. Now, some of you may have heard the word redeemer at church, and you think, yeah, it's a redeemer. What's that mean? Well, um, the the New Bible Dictionary... I'm not a clever bloke, so I had to go to the dictionary. And, and what, is, what does a redeemer mean? And this is what the New Bible Dictionary says, redeemer. Or, re, yeah, redeemer. It's deliverance, that means saving, from some evil by payment of some price. And it goes on to say how in ancient times and even in recent times, you had prisoners of war. So the prisoners of war, for example, the Romans or the Babylonians, you had prisoners of war and you could buy them back. And that's called ransoming or redeeming. You buy back a prisoner from somebody who's captured them. We were captives of sin. We were dead. We were captives of the evil one. We couldn't save ourselves. We were absolutely dead. So whose prayer is this? It's the one who redeems us. He's also the justifier. Um, I owe Arnold many, many things. And, and a couple of the things I'll refer to today is he, when he, he made me realize that, that justifier, one way to, again, you may have heard this word. And, and Maybe I'm talking to younger people as well here. Justifier means it's just as if I'd never sinned, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. He's the one, Jesus is the one who means that it can say, it's just as if I'd never sinned because he's justified me. So the prayer is the prayer of the justifier. My prayer, Father, is also the sanctifier. And I think it's so important that we do look at who it is. Otherwise we think, yeah, 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 it's Jesus, it's Jesus. We know all about it. No, we don't. There is always more to know about him. There's always more to reflect upon him. He's the sanctifier. Sanctify means that you're set apart. That's what it means. In, in, in the old Hebrew language, it meant cut off from. God is cut off from humanity because he's holy. He cannot have anything to do with humanity because he's holy. He's, and so we're called to be sanctified. But Jesus is the sanctifier, the one who makes us holy with God. As we're looking through Hebrews with Richard, he's also the one through whom we're adopted. He's the one who makes us a brother. He's the one who brings us into God's family. He is the one who, who makes, that we, so we can call him brother, we can come into God's family. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to move now to the things that we know now because we're 2,000 years later. At the point when Jesus is praying, okay, he was all of these things and he will be all of these things. And what we look now at, whose prayer is it? He's the resurrected one. We know that. He knew it. The disciples didn't know it. So whose prayer is it? He's the resurrected one. And the reason it's important, resurrection is important, because he's resurrected in a glorified body as a man before God, as, as, as co-equal with God, but he is resurrected with God. And also the resurrection means that death, at that point, the power of death stopped. Death no longer has power over those who are resurrected in Christ Jesus. If we're in Jesus, death is not the end. We are resurrected with him. That's why it's important. So the prayer is the prayer of the resurrected one. Can you turn to, if you've got a Bible, and maybe Sam, this might want to go up, Revelations 5, two. I love this this sense of desperation and fulfillment in, in Revelation. If I can find it and my eyes will adjust. This is what it says about the one who prays. My prayer father, this is who's praying. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll with seven seals. Whose prayer? It's the scroll readers. It's the great high priest's. It's the victorious captain of heaven. If you go through to Revelation 19 later, I'm not saying we'll go there now because I'm conscious of time. He's clearly, clearly the captain of heaven, the great returning conquering king. I think as we come into a land, as we sort of start to conclude, I want to draw some threads together. I think it's worth just looking at who's he praying for? Father, my prayer is not just for those, but I also pray for those who are to come. Jesus is looking down the centuries. He's looking 2,000 years later, and he's praying for us. His prayer is for us. Who's the prayer? He's the almighty one. He's the sovereign one. And who's he praying for? Us. His prayer is through space and time and eternity, is for us. And so for all of those small and great believers over time and history, for all of the millions of Chinese believers, for all of the hundreds of thousands of Argentinian believers, and the handful of British believers, he is praying for all of his church, his whole church, I said, whose prayer? If Jesus prays for his church, who do you think can undo that prayer? Who who can stop this great prayer? If this heaven-shuddering prayer, Father, my prayer is not just for them alone, but for those who will believe in the future, who can stand in the way of that? So if his prayer is for us, and he goes on to talk about unity, about being one in love, all of the things that will happen, Because he says, I will that they be one. And that's the same will that created the earth and the heavens. And the other thing is, if you look, I don't know yet. Dan's talked about, I think a a bit about time travel. Has anybody here gone back in time? No? No time lords here at all, are there? I'm yet to meet someone who's gone back in time and earned the grace that Jesus says, my prayer is for them who will believe. Jesus chose you before you were born. It's grace that goes before us. You can't earn this. It's amazing. He looks down the centuries and he sees us as his church. I said I'd I'd start to conclude and that's what I'm going to do because my wife and my daughters were given a signal of that. (laughs) when I'd reached the half an hour stage and that's gone actually but um, re- relying on grace and I knowing that most of you aren't going home to cook please I'm, I'm not I think another half maybe an hour should do it I'm joking so so I'm going to try and apply these, these things at the moment it's the great so what so we've heard this who is this prayer this awesome one this wonderful one we've heard who he is he's the king of glory and I just hope that As Paul prays. That the eyes of our hearts. Would be enlightened. I pray that. As we reflect on who this prayer is. We'll realize the power of this prayer. For us. He prayed for us. And as we've been hearing. From Richard. He's still at it. He's still praying for us as mediator. He prayed for us. That we would be who we are. Now. And who we will be. By the way. Going forward. And. Do any of you know the name of, apart from you, Mary and Ginny and Stuart, do any of you know and you guys at the back, okay. Anybody who hasn't got a grandchild, do you know the name of your grandchild yet? No? He does. He knows your great, 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 great grandchildren. He knows. He knows us. He knows them. So we can have that certainty that the great first and last, the great beginning and the end, knows us. He's prayed for us. Whose prayer? It's the King of Glory's prayer over us. I want to quickly, briefly, deal with three sorts of people, really. I'm going to talk to the guys, the men. Because of this great prayer, there's a great plan that's going on. Jesus clearly knew this plan. Um, The Bible says that for the joy set before him... Well, what was that joy? It was the church. He endured the cross. He knew what was coming. He said, right, make them one, Father. So for you guys, for men, I think there's a great plan here. In our lives, we can join with this great plan of God. I was going to jokingly refer to it as a Prince 2 project, but but it isn't. It's a great plan of eternity, that God is doing something. And I read a book many years ago that said, blokes like plans maybe, but if you're a man, there's a plan here, there's a plan here, and for those who are of that, you know, if you've got like a, a I'll call it a German type approach to life, very structured and, you know, it's a great plan, it's a plan that you can give your life to. Also, to those people who, perhaps like me, I'm, I'm sort of, do you know what the word introvert really means? It means somebody, not who's shy and quiet, it means somebody who gets their strength from inside, they don't need people much. And I'm an introvert, yeah? So I'm, I'm quite happy on my own. I don't need people particularly. And I want to talk to those people who might see the gospel through individualistic eyes. It's the church that Jesus wants. And I've had to change my outlook and commit myself to the church. And it's been a process, and God has challenged me. And I am uncomfortable in big crowds, believe it or not. I you know, I still feel slightly twitchy when I go into crowds, but over the years, God, no, no, overcome that. Join yourself in, because as was wonderfully said, and that it's so wonderful when when I've been praying and then hearing um, Pete's thing about the the, TV, the the football team, and it was the, the picture that God gave me was when we rejoice in the glory of Jesus. It's not just that we're like football you know, supporters enjoying the team, but are actually accredited with being in the team. We are in Jesus. So there's this sense that we, we're called, let's not fight this, this being part of a, a, a church, okay? We're part of the church. And, um, and let's, let's I'll ref, again, I, I want to be honest with you guys and say this has been a journey for me as well. I have, over the last few years, walked up and down in this building and seen, after the meeting, and seen lots and lots of people talking in their groups and thinking, nobody wants to talk to me. And gone around and thinking, oh, they're all in there. Oh, they, they're having a you know, real good time. and Okay, I'll walk back upstairs. And then sometimes just sit. And can I be honest? I've seen some other people do that too. God has called us not to stand on the outside. He's called us to come in. And I have to talk to myself and think, David, don't feel so sorry for yourself. It's you that's excluding. And that is sometimes we run away. We you know. I've done this. I run away sort of take myself away from the church, my friends, my brothers, those who love me, and hide. And in my heart I'm saying, chase me, chase me. Please come and get me. But it's me who's doing the running away. And we know that the devil loves to pull people away and then will attack us. Don't. Don't give in to that that temptation to separate yourself. I also want to be honest in saying that I have known some dark, dark times in my life because of, um, I I guess the word, you know, the word everybody um, understands is depression. This message is for those of you like me who have had those bleak times. And can I just say my observation Um, And I'm open to correction is that it's not necessarily that you haven't got all your scripture ducks in the line. And therefore, sometimes those ducks are just broken. Sometimes they are. And I know that because of this promise, when I've been through those bleak times and it felt like the heavens were brass. I know because of these promises. Father, my prayer is that they will be with me where I am. My prayer. And I reflect back and thinking my God, my God, you were with me. You were with me through that when I didn't feel you were there. You were there because of the cross, because there was only one who was ever forsaken. There was only one who, when they cried out, where are you, got silence. That's whose prayer it is. He prays for us down the centuries. He prays for you. He prays for me. He prays for his church. To be one. To be sure. So I want to conclude with this. Trust in his. I've said conclude three times haven't I? This literally is the last bit. I want us to trust in his grace. And his will for us. I want us to trust even in the darkest times. Even when we're broken. In his sustaining love. And I want to ask the question. Do you know him? Maybe you're in a Christian family and you've got Christian parents and stuff, but do you know this Saviour? Do you know this God? And maybe, like I forget what the author's name is, there's a book called The Jesus I Never Knew. Maybe as I've been going through this list of who He is, and you've been thinking, "Yeah, that's the, oh my gosh, yeah, that's that is really who He is, isn't it?" Do you know Him? Have you? Fallen at the foot of the cross and seen this great hope that he's brought for us. This one who is with us, this one who's prayed, my father, my prayer, my prayer, is not just for them, but for those who will believe. Those down the centuries, you, me, us, his church. Shall we join with that prayer with with Jesus? That we would be united in that same purpose. That we would believe... The one who prayed my prayer over you, over us, is faithful. He's true. He will hold us. He will see us at the end. He will. He will. And as we go into the new year, as we've got the weekend away, as we've got all these great things, I'm going to invite you to commit yourself to the church. If you're an individual on the outside, come in. Don't. Don't exile yourself. Don't put yourself out there through self-pity like I've done. For those people who have a bleaker outlook on life like sometimes I have, God is faithful. He will see you through. But please bring yourself into the church where you will be loved and supported. And for those who don't know him or for those who are learning to know him, he is the best thing ever. You will never be disappointed. And he will see you home. Because it was the prayer, my prayer, my prayer is that they will share my glory and be with me where I am. Shall we pray? Father, I want to thank you so much for your word, because your word is truth. I want to thank you so much, Lord, that your heart's desire is that we would know you more and more and more. Holy Spirit, will you open the eyes of our heart? Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know Jesus and this glorious inheritance for the saints. Lord, those riches... Father, for those people who have bleak times. Jesus, you are there. You are their saviour. For those people, Lord God, who are individuals and, and, and just feel shy and want to pull themselves away, Father. You are their God and that you have given yourself to the church and you want us to do that. And Lord, please, can we know you in all your glory? Lord, as we go forward as a church this year, that we'd know the Messiah, the Savior, the ascended, returning Captain of Heaven, that you would capture our hearts, that we would fall in love with you. Lord, restore in us a clean heart, an upright spirit. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Restore to us the first love as we turn our faces, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, and give ourselves to loving you in 2016. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Should we stand? In response to that.